welcome to Why a Book, the podcast where we revisit questionable books from our youth. Which is 2000s and 2010s. That's right, folks. The time of Twilight and Bad Decisions. <laughs> yeah, my middle school teacher gave me Twilight. We'll get into that another Ms. day. Miss Marceau, where are you <laughs> anyway, now? <laughs> I'm Renee, and back in the day, I read a lot of weird supernatural stuff. Um, vampires, fallen angels, which we'll get into today. <laughs> Anything supernatural and time travel, I was reading. I'm Mary. I was also very much into vampires, which we'll definitely get into. But I was mainly into, like, some real teen drama, teen romance. And I was always a sucker for, like a good troubled uh like issues going on because i guess i just didn't have enough drama in my yeah life. um we'll probably do a lot of psychoanalysis on ourselves during this podcast. yeah i wish one of us had like a psych degree i feel like that would say a lot yeah well uh <laughs> we'll jump into today's and boy do i have a treat for you it is hush hush by becca fitzpatrick and I'm going to start with the description of this New York Times bestseller. <laughs> For Nora Gray, romance was not part of the plan. She's never been particularly attracted to the boys at her school, no matter how much her best friend, V, per- pushes them at her. Not until Patch came along. Patch? Yes. So first off, the guy's name is Patch. We'll get into this. But just, this isn't even the full synopsis, but that alone it's just like, someone made the point recently that I saw online, they're like, all of these YA novels, like, made you think that these characters were going to be, like, asexual or demisexual, but the one perfect guy shows up, and, like, my new headcanon is that she's actually demisexual. I also love, like, a good, like, the best friend character who has a single-syllable name. Oh, she's a wild card. But, um, so that's, that's what we're starting with this I synopsis. love that. I love that. With his easy smile and eyes that seem to see inside her. Please note, his voice actually is inside her head. It's not just her eyes. Oh. Nora is drawn to him against her better judgment. That's really the whole book. I just love toxic relationships. Oh, this is in teen literature. But after a series of terrifying encounters, Nora's not sure who to trust. Patch seems to be everywhere she is and to know more about her than her closest friends. That's not a red flag. No, definitely not like stalker vibes at all. She can't decide whether she should fall into his arms or run and hide. And when she tries to seek some answers, she finds herself near a truth that is way more unsettling than anything Patch makes her feel. For Nora is right in the middle of an ancient battle between the immortal and those who have fallen. And when it comes to choosing sides, the wrong choice will cost her life. Which, that sense in itself sounds really baller and like a cool, like, a fight in the heavens plot. Mm -hmm. That's not at all what happens. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to dive right in. Um, first off, whenever I read Hush Hush, I read it as, like, the Crush 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 by Paramore. Like, <laughs> hush, hush, two, three, I mean, that is, like, the right the time right period. Era. Yeah. Um, so it starts with a Bible quote, of course. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then there's a prologue <laughs> that is in 16th century France. And it's this random, like, nobleman, a teenager in a cemetery. This angel comes, like, uh, assaults this teenager and is like, you're actually not human. You're Nephilim, which is one parent is a fallen angel. Mm-hmm. One is human. Okay. Um, and he's like, and I need you to do something for me. And, like, uh, basically torments this kid into agreeing to some unknown thing. 
And then you flash forward to present day, Coldwater, Maine, not a real town. We've no, spent a lot of time yeah, figuring this out. Mary is from Maine. Yeah, I'm from Maine, so <laughs> we'll, we'll have some thoughts exist. on... I don't know much... I don't know anything about the plot. I just know what Renee's already told me about the geography. This Mormon author from Nebraska doesn't know anything about Maine, is what we're saying. No, she's very confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, present day, fake Maine, Nora Gray... 10th grader walks into her bio class it's time for sex ed this is not how sex ed class works either the bio teacher who's teaching them sex ed is like lesson one is sex ed i'm changing the seating arrangement and you have to learn random things about your new seating partner because that teaches them what sex is and so instead of sitting next to her best friend v who's boy crazy and just generally crazy she's next to the recent transfer student who, she doesn't know his name at this point. We find out, he's like, call me Patch. That's not his name, but that's what he wants to be called. Who um, wants to be called Patch? Who chooses that? Um, yeah. I don't know. Also, the quote from this sex ed class is, sex is more than a 15-minute trip to the back seat of a car. That's oh what their God. teacher tells them. That, this teacher needs to get fired. Yeah, so that, that's another reoccurring theme. But, uh, so, so she's trying to get to know Patch, but he won't answer anything about himself. And he, like, just starts listing qualities about her, like, that some of them are things that, like, you can tell by her personality. Like, she's a grade-A student, got into a bunch of Ivy Leagues, and he's like, but you're not going to go to any of them because you don't want, like, a cookie-cutter lifestyle. And he also can tell that her favorite music is Baroque, and she plays the cello. She plays the cello? That's never mentioned again. Oh, it could have been the same youth orchestra. You could have. There's only one. And um, so what she just, what she figures out about Patch from talking to him is that he smells like cigars, he's rude, and he's very broody, but he also mentions he does like photography. We all love a broody photographer. Yeah, I mean, this is all making so much sense, except the cigars, but we'll just move past that. Anyway, so then, like, class is over, she hates him, she goes home, she lives in this isolated house in, like, of, like, the middle of a fog-dense place, no matter what the weather is, it's just a fog everywhere. Um, her mom is away because she has a job that involves traveling all up and down the East Coast. Um, her dad died in Portland while birthday shopping for the mom. That's not really touched upon too much, but they give her a very tragic backstory. How did he die? Oh, he was shot in Portland okay. while birthday shopping. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she's like, she calls Patch up and is like, we have to do this assignment. He's like, well, I'm at this I'm at this pool hall, this arcade, so if you want to do the homework, you have to come to me. So she just drives to this random place. He's playing pool with a friend, and she doesn't really get much information out of him. Um, and then we skip to the next day of school, and we meet the mean girl of the school, who is the cheerleader, typical skinny blonde girl. And <laughs> she just comes in and is like, my mom needs some models um, for J.C. Penny. And because apparently this woman who is a manager at JCPenney has teen girls stand in bikinis in the window display to attract customers. That doesn't happen at any store. It doesn't happen anywhere. And like Maine is now suddenly the red light district in like Amsterdam. And that's never, that's not anything to do with the plot. But I'm just so taken aback by this one line asking teenagers to stand in bikinis in a window at a local mall. That would never happen. I'm pretty sure there's only one JCPenney in the whole state, and it's at the main mall, and I'm pretty sure there's not even windows outside with yeah. displays. So, the book, we really, nothing much is happening other than the fact that she keeps 
feeling like she's being watched, like when she's alone at home or even when she's walking in the school, she keeps feeling watched and she's very unsettled. And then there's a new transfer student in April. Another one? Yes, his name is Elliot. He's a local transfer. He was going to a school in Portland, a private school in Portland. Um, but he has some reason, like, you know, he, like, didn't, he lost his scholarship, so he couldn't keep going there. So now he's at the public school, and Elliot immediately, like, is really into Nora. And they have gym class, and he, like, teaches her how to swing a baseball properly. Uh. <laughs> Who's playing baseball in gym class? Um, I did. In we, we did not. But um, anyway, and then Patch is not a fan of her getting attention from this guy. And she starts hearing Patch's voice in her head. Oh, that's And he's like, oh, that's fine. cute. You hear me in your thoughts? Anyway, so <laughs> she's like, I need to find out more about Patch. So her friend's like, well, the student records are in the office near the nurse. So you can go because she, uh, Nora has to take iron pills. So she's like, go to the nurse's office for your medicine and just sneak in into the student records. Her friend V, who is just so unhinged, thinks that it's not just enough to use that. And so V calls in a bomb threat to the school. So, okay, hold on. Let's just recap here for a second. Yeah. She's like, I need to learn more about this kid. So I'm going to break into the school office and look at private records. This is a crime. Yeah. And then V makes it more of a crime by calling a bomb threat. And like to get the secretary out of the office instead of any other excuse to get the secretary out of the office. In 2010, Facebook did exist. She could have start, tried, started there for stalking. Yeah, and I'm just so confused. Like, okay, so if there is a bomb threat, like, where is she during the bomb threat? Like, oh, she's she... sneaking into the office because no one thought to, to like, what? oh, yeah, there's a Who kid. is running this school that, like, she's just able to really? walk around? Nobody. But um, anyway, so she does get into a student record. The folder's empty. There's nothing in there. Um, Not Patch, even, like, a report card? Or, no. like, a class schedule? Pat started, like, a month ago or whatever, and he said that he, like, joked. She thought he was joking when he said he didn't go to school before this. But so, basically, she's like, this is weird. This guy has, like, no past. There would still be papers in his, uh, the thing. Like, you have to register. You can't just have, like, you wouldn't have nothing. Yeah. You'd um, have, like, his birth certificate or something. So, Patch is even more sus. There's nothing in there. He's a ghost student. And then Elliot, um, the other transfer, is like, hey, do you want to go on a double date with me, my friend Jules, your crazy friend V, uh, to this place that is basically Coney Island, but in Maine? Which there is a place like that. Yeah. But, but it's um, not this it's place. Not this, place. <laughs> this place is called, like... Uh, it's something seaport. Delphic Seaport? Yeah. Yeah, it's the Delphic Seaport. And then Patch just happens to be there, and so... Patch agrees to leave her alone if she'll go on this one ride with him called the Archangel. And she has a near-death experience where she has a vision of, um, like, her seatbelt coming undone and, like, that she's about to fly off. Like, she thinks it's real, but then, like, she's, like, she's about to tumble out of this roller coaster because mm-hmm. her seatbelt's undone. But then everything's fine and she's at the end of the roller coaster and Patch doesn't seem like anything's weird. I have to say, uh, from my experience going to Palace Playland, where the Coney Island of Southern Maine, that is an accurate experience. Yeah. And it's a very dangerous place to go. And um, this is actually her second near-death experience um, this week, which I forgot to bring up. She had an incident when she was driving home in the fog where she hit a guy with her car, but he was fine and got up and like tried to break into the car again. Um, but then there was no sign of damage on the car, no sign of him, so she thought she hallucinated it, but some creepy guy, like, attacks her car and her friend was like you probably just like hit a deer <laughs> this girl needs to see a doctor she is in mandated therapy because her dad was murdered so she goes to a school therapist the school okay 
a school therapist. Yeah. She doesn't mention, like, hey, I'm hallucinating. No. No, she doesn't. But then she has this other hallucination at the theme park where she thinks she almost died on this roller coaster. Well, exactly. And she's just yeah. like, no, I won't well, mention that to my therapist. She, she hasn't seen the therapist in the span of these few days. This is only a couple of days. Yeah, but the first time? She, again, that was like yesterday. Oh, okay. Right, right, Yeah, right. and then she, because there's no damage to the car, she was like, I guess I was just freaked out because we had just seen a horror movie. Like, I'm sure everything's fine. Um... Anyway, so she has this near-death experience on the roller coaster, and then her friend and the two guys, they're, like, gone. Like, she can't find them anywhere, so Patch is like, I'll drive you home, and then he invites himself into her house. Like, he kind of forces his way into her house, and is like, let me make you tacos, because, you know, I'm a busboy at a Mexican restaurant. I can make amazing tacos. And she just happens to have taco ingredients in yeah, the kitchen. Yeah, so they have a little sexy taco night. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> so, first off, she's a little scared at first when he's holding a big knife, and she's like, oh, my God. Is he going to stab me? And he's like, you look terrified. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to help you make tacos. So I'm just going to poison like, these tacos. Hands on. Like, he's like, here's how you do good knife cuts. And, and then they're out, like, doing dishes. And they're about to kiss, but her phone rings. So that was sexy taco night. And wow. she's like, I still don't, I don't know if I can trust you, but I'm so attracted. And I don't know why. Like, she's still really on the fence about him. This is so toxic. <laughs> yeah. And... Patch talks to her about the roller coaster experience and, like, the roller coaster um, that is angel-themed. And the way the roller coaster is, is, like, it's a giant fall down. And uh-huh. he's like, oh, like, you know, archangels, you know, the higher you are, the, like, further Bigger they are, they you, fall, harder they fall. They fall. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> and she's like, well, I prefer guardian angels anyway. <laughs> What the fuck does that have to do with anything? I don't know. She just They're still comment. angels. Yeah, they still fall. <laughs> like, they um, can still... Okay. Yes. So, yeah. So, let's see. Um, so, <laughs> after sexy taco night, when she's grappling with this guy's kind of suspicious and a little freaky, but I'm attracted to him, she compares him to licking a shard of glass, which she did once as a kid, because she was like, this looks like it could be fun to lick, and then it hurt her. So that's how she thinks of Patch. That's such a disturbing, like, comparison. I'm glad she's in mandated therapy, but I don't think it's helping. No, she needs to see, like, not the school therapist. Yeah. I don't know. That just also feels like a some kind of conflict of interest. Like, everybody knows you're going to the school therapist. No, most people don't know that about her. I don't know. I feel like if it's if it's at the school, people would find out. Yeah, probably. Um, anyway, so she goes on a shopping trip with V, and they're at Victoria's Secret, and V's like, I'm gonna put the, the, the sticker from the, like, clearance bras onto this full-price bra, so they have to give me the clearance price. That's not how that works. That's what Nora tells her, and she's like, fine, I'll listen to you. But then, uh, Nora explains how she feels like someone's watching her, and she sees, like, what looks like the guy she thought she hit with her car, so her friend's like, all right, you give me jacket i'll sneak i'll go out of here first and we'll see if anyone follows me thinking i'm you they don't look anything alike like that's a big thing when they describe the, mm-hmm. their description like the physical descriptions she's like oh we're our we're untwins because you know we're like so close like twins but we look totally opposite i'm thin crazy curly brown hair v this author's obsessed with like v being like on the heavier side and she's like she's like heavy but in a sexy way and you know and she's like very fixated on a diet that she doesn't actually stick to and they're always talking about how she's heavy but in a sexy way and she's blonde and all that so like even if you're wearing the jacket it's not you're not gonna think it's her and 
anyway, this happens. V gets attacked by someone unknown, and she's hospitalized. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, the description that um Nora gives about herself is, I'm all legs, like a bar stool. Nobody talks like this. Oh, a 10th grader in 2010 obviously talked like this. So, like yeah. a bar stool. He's hospitalized, and Nora's like, oh, I've got therapy. And then she finds out they have a new therapist, this, like, woman who's um, Mrs. Green or some generic name like that. So she's a new therapist who's like, hey, this patch kid doesn't seem like good news for you. You should really, like, I know you're supposed to be tutoring him for bio or whatever, but, like, make sure it's on school property. Like, don't really hang out. I do. I like this new therapist. Mm-hmm. And Although then- I feel like it's a little disturbing that they just changed and she didn't know. Yeah, but <laughs> public school, I mean. <laughs> Again, maybe she shouldn't be seeing the school therapist. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so Patch is also MIA for a bit. Um, so the school therapist doesn't have to worry right now because V's hospitalized. Patch just happens to be MIA. And then, um, so Nora decides to try to find out about Patch. Can't find anything. She also was like, I also get weird vibes from Elliot, the guy that's been asking her out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Finds out that he was a suspect in a girl's death at his old school. Oh my god, I was about to be like, did he murder somebody? <laughs> yeah, but it ended up being ruled a suicide because they, like, ultimately found a suicide note. But, like, it's a very suspicious death. Uh-huh. Um, and then Elliot kind of steps up his creepy factor from this point on. She thinks he knows that she's looking into his past. So now she's got Patch, just that whole toxic thing. A potential murderer pursuing her. And um, she decides she should spy on Patch. So she goes to the Mexican restaurant where he works, um, puts on a full disguise, like blonde wig, like weird outfit and everything, and like tries to get information from his coworkers. But don't worry, Patch shows Patch shows up even though it's not his shift, and like confronts her in the woman's bathroom. <laughs> Uh, That's a theme. Patch doesn't understand that... Like, boundaries? (laughs) Yeah. You shouldn't follow a girl into the bathroom. Yeah, that's not... Yeah. Um, so, he's like, if you want to know things about me, just ask me yourself. And she's like, I don't think you're going to give me honest answers. And he's like, oh, no, I will. Anyway, so then she (laughs) is still grappling with these feelings. She's still attracted to him, but she's also terrified of him. So she has a heart-to-heart with her mom who finally shows up from her job and it's like mom did you ever were you ever afraid of of dad and she's like only when the pats lost (laughs) classic (laughs) remember they're in new england yeah remember (laughs) new england um so someone breaks into her house and it's like her room's a mess she sees someone leave through the window and she sees that the article she had found on elliot is missing she decided to print the article off the computer and keep it on her and um she also starts thinking about how his friend Jules is a little suspicious because Jules always seems to kind of go MIA when they're supposed to hang out with the four of them. At this point, V is actually dating Jules <laughs> somehow. Jules is like a very quiet, he's like tall, kind of brooding, but just a very quiet, mm-hmm. awkward guy. Somehow crazy V is dating this guy. And what you find out is Jules' parents are never around because they're in the diamond business, so they spend a lot of time in Africa and Australia, and Nora goes, I don't think they have diamonds in Australia. And Elliot's like, mm, I don't know. Maybe they do. And she's like, they don't. <laughs> so, at least Nora's somewhat smart in, in certain cases. 
Yeah, that's how all of these, like, protagonists are. It's, like... They have, like... They make dumb decisions for themselves, and then they're, like, yeah. I know better than that. Like, yeah, they lack common sense for, like, 95% of the story, and then 5% of the time, they're, like, they make this one astute observation. And then yeah. it's, like, yeah, see, she's smart. It's, like, no. <laughs> so she decides, against her better judgment, to go out with Patch to the pool place that he likes to hang out at. And, um, <laughs> this... This is the one scene from this book that I vividly remember 11 years later because it drives me insane. So instead of wearing a normal top, she takes a scarf. She says she ties it around her waist mm-hmm. and then she like ties it up halter top around her neck. So I'm like, yeah, you're covering your front, not your back. That's like nothing keeping the side in at all. So that's just like side boob to the wind. Like... That's not a top. I'm truly struggling to picture this. I know. I've spent 11 years thinking about this, and I can't picture it. I'm like, all right, you tie part, like, you have to be really skinny to do this, too. Like, to have the the narrow end of a scarf fit around your waist and tie it there, and then you pull along, you have the long side up your front, and you tie the other skinny end around your neck. That's not a top. That's a napkin. People do, like, scarf tops now, but that's not how they do them. No! (laughs) But, um, so she goes to the pool hall, and he's there with his friend Rixon. Um, Rixon? Rixon! I love Rixon. That's not a fucking name. I love Rixon. That's not a name. (laughs) It's a name! And, um, Patch ends up shirtless. Um, before that, they have a sexy pool scene where he's, like, up behind her teaching her how to shoot a combo. <laughs> oh my god. And he's like, if I get this shot, you have to take your jacket off. So then of course he sees her in her napkin top. Um, but then Rickson comes in and starts fighting Patch just for fun because they're bros. And then his shirt, he ends up having to take his shirt off for whatever reason. And she sees he has V-shaped, a V-shaped scar on the back, on his back. <gasps> a giant V-shaped scar. And she's like, that's suspicious. Um... And so she's like, is he, she like remembers on the roller coaster that there was um, a pictures of falling angels mm-hmm. and the fallen angel had a V-shaped scar on this, on the roller coaster. So she's just like, could it be? <gasps> is he an angel? Is he a fallen angel? So she looks up fallen angels when she gets home and finds uh, a nice article a classic. about it. Classic, let me Google this. And it it, it provides the information that fallen angels, you know, for whatever sin reason, they don't don't have their wings anymore and they live among humans. And she also finds the information that during the Hebrew month of Cheshian, Cheshian, um, fallen angels can possess a human body. And this month of Cheshian, which, I'm sorry, I don't know Hebrew. This was mentioned in that prologue with the French dude and the the angel in the cemetery. Um... And that they, specifically, they possess Nephilim, and Nephilim can't die. Um, Nephilim are immortal. So she finds that out. She finds, like, first Google search, she barely, she's just, like, fallen angels and finds all the relevant information. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, And then drunk Elliot shows up and, like, physically assaults her at her house, being like, we're going on a camping trip, me, you, V, Jules, for spring break in a couple weeks, and, like, basically like is physically assault like pushing her up against the house and like you have to go like this drunk 15 year old who may have committed murder shows up to her house it's like let's go on a camping trip yeah and so she tells v this and about how there's the murder um 
thing she found out about Elliot, and he's just like, honestly, but I just really want to spend time with Jules, so can you come with us? Yes, yeah, so like, fuck your assault. She's like, he was drunk, it's fine. I'm like, I'm like, why are you? I'm like, I understand why you're friends with me, because you also make horrible decisions, but like, yeah. Her, her, she's like, this guy who is tied to a murder came to my house and pushed me up against the, the wall, threatening me, and you want me to go on a camping trip because your boyfriend will be there? This friendship is not going to last. <laughs> oh, don't worry, it does. Well, past high school. So she decides, she's she has so much going on. She's like, all right, forget about Patch right now. I need to go figure out what's going on with Elliot. So she goes to Portland to um, find out information about this girl's death. And while she's there, V calls and is like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in Portland with Elliot and Jules. We're at this party, but they ditched me because I had to go do something. And it's in a sketchy area. Can you come rescue me? It's on a high water street. And she's like, okay. No, I thought it was High Smith Street. High Smith Street, yes, Mary. <laughs> I remember this very vividly. Right, Cold when Water, Maine, and High Smith Street, right. So she gets some really, she gets directions from a bus driver, and then she runs into this, like, she calls her a bag lady. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, she runs into this bag lady, um, and it's like, I'm trying to find High Smith Street, and the bag lady's like, if you give me your jacket and your beanie, then I'll give you directions. And so she does, and she's like, it's just one block over. <laughs> and then... The bag lady leaves, and immediately a car shows up and shoots bag lady. Bag lady's dead. Nora's freaking out. She gets to a payphone, calls Patch, because I guess she has his Doesn't call the police. No. She calls Patch. Has his number memorized. Does it call, like, oh, the police, my Um, friend, friend. my mom, any authorities whatsoever? No, let me call this creepy guy. Um, yeah, and Patch is, um, in the middle of gambling, because that's his favorite activity. <laughs> he gambles a lot. He wins, like, cars and homes off of gambling. It's how he survives, plus... That's not legal! No, it's not, but, like, being a busboy at a Mexican restaurant doesn't pay much. So, wait, okay, he's just living on his own? Um, I don't really establish it in this book, but he's living in an underground studio apartment at the, um, theme park. How does nobody know about this? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so Patch shows up, and um, she manages to get in touch with V using Patch Patch's phone uh, because she realizes her phone's in the jacket pocket of the, that she gave to the bag lady, <laughs> who's now dead. Um, in the arms of the angels. And V's like, oh, don't worry. Elliot and Jules just showed up again, so we're fine. I'm going back home. And so... Patch and her are gonna go back home too, but they have car trouble. The Jeep dies. The phone also is dead. Um, she was a witness to a murder, and she's just going to go home. Yes, and not tell anybody about yes. it. Her phone is still her 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 phone. jacket and her hat and her phone are all on this lady with all of her fucking DNA and yeah, and like they're just on there. She saw her murder, and then the police are gonna come discover the body, and then she's gonna get implicated. That's never brought up. There are police officers that show up occasionally, like when she thinks people are breaking into her house. But the thing is, like whenever someone else like everything always resets itself so there's no evidence of the break-in so the police are like oh this fucking teen girl like but this was a murder the police the police haven't addressed the murder yet actually at any point but they do because um the snobby cheer girl ends up getting jumped and hospitalized and so they do come to like aggressively accuse nora of doing it that's the most the police do listen 
there's not that many murders in Southern Maine. Well, there is two in a year span in Portland. This would be all over the Press Herald, like, <laughs> woman killed in drive-by <laughs> shooting. But, so, yes, that happened. And there's, like, street cameras. Nobody's dead, like- dead cell phone, dead Jeep. It's torrential downpour. Um, I think there's rain at some, I'm pretty sure it's raining at some point because they, they say their clothes are wet. Um, but they, they have to stop by this motel to try to get in contact with someone because the car is dead and the phone's dead, but the power's out. Um, so they stay, they, they get a, a king bed motel room together. They also can't have a hotel room. Like you- motel. It's a sketchy motel. Okay. And also- he pays in cash. So it's fine. You have to have an ID. Whatever. It's a sne- Whatever. Oh, um, this, Patch says this is more of a whorehouse than a motel. Exact quote from Patch. Where the fuck is this taking place? Somewhere in the drive from Portland to the fake town of Coldwater. <laughs> in a run, in the middle of nowhere. There's no down. motels. Is there a whorehouse? I don't know. <laughs> of course. There's one bed and her clothes are all wet. So she has to wear like just his shirt that he gives her. So he's in just his like his pants. Um, and so she she has to touch the back scars. She sees them and I'm like, what's this? And touching the scars, suddenly it's like a pensive in Harry Potter. She's back in what I thought was the 1970s. <laughs> Because they're like, oh, 70s music is blasting through Bo's arcade. And I was like, all right, we're back in the 70s. And she goes, the calendar says it was eight months ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Patch is there. Um, and who walks in in this memory? Um, but the new therapist, Miss Green or whatever. Her name, we find out, is Dabria. 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 Oh and Dabria's like, Patch, I miss you so much. Oh. And she has crazy ex-girlfriend vibes. Oh, no. Um, and she's like, I have a way for you to get your wings back. If you save someone's life, you'll become a guardian angel. And he's like, only a guardian angel? I'm over that. I have a new plan. She's like, no, you can't do the, you can't follow the book of Enig. It's not going to work. And he's like, wait, I didn't know if this was true. I thought it was a rumor. But if the angels sent you down here to stop me, then it must be true. And I'm like, wow, Dabria, you fucked up. You just confirmed his plan that he thought was just like... A shot in the dark. Oh, my God. She's like, I love you. Become a guardian angel and we can be together again. He's just like, no, I don't really feel like it. <laughs> and she's just like straight up crazy X vibes. Um, and so he's like, fine, like, I'll tell them I considered your offer. And since you're an angel of death, give me, like, the name of someone who's the next person on your list that's going to die. And she just goes, oh. she's like, I shouldn't tell you. But he's, she's so in love with him. So she's like, it's Nora Gray. And then he finds out that the person who's going to be killing her is Patch. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And Nora's freaked out because she he she and Patch haven't met at this point, but he clearly knows who she is. And now she's like, wait, and he's been planning to kill me this whole time? So, whoop, end of the flashback memory trip. And she's back in the motel room. And he's like, what did you see? You shouldn't have touched your stars. Like Teletubbies. <laughs> no, she comes clean. And they have a huge, like, she's freaked out. She's like, you've been planning to kill me this whole time. Oh and he's not really God. denying it this at all. This is so unsafe. And they're locked into a motel room. She starts screaming. And this is when Patch goes, no one's going to come because you're screaming. Because this is basically a whorehouse. Like, screams don't mean anything to these people. 
Like, that's a straight-up thing he says to her. And she's simultaneously freaked out and, like, yelling at him, but also, like, let me let me hear his side. <laughs> Who is like, okay, I just saw you admit that you are planning to kill me, but, you know, maybe I misunderstood. Yeah. Um, so... She's arguing with him, and he's, like, physically restraining her, too. Like, this is not- this is abusive, like, terrifying, like- No, this this is horrible. This is horrifying, and he admits everything. He's like, yes, the reason I entered your life was to kill you. That incident on the roller coaster, yeah, I tried to kill you then, but I couldn't bring myself to go through with it. Sexy taco night, I was going to stab you. But then- (laughs) What I think stopped him on Sexy Taco Night, which was also the roller coaster night, was he he was like, oh, you have red hair. And she's like, no, no, I'm brunette. He's like, no, it looks, there's a red tint to it. And then in one of the flashbacks, you see his friends like, oh, you know, you, you're a sucker for redheads. Oh, my so I'm pretty sure God. he was like, ready to go <laughs> eat, eat, and stab her. And he was like. Wait, but my fetish. Oh my god, she's ginger. (laughs) So yeah, so she's like listening to this. Like he admits he has tried to kill her twice in the the past like week or two. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, I need you. I you say I should trust you. Like he's like, but also at the same time he's like, I'm not a good guy. And like yeah, I tried to kill you, but like hear me out. And she's like, oh wait, do something to prove that I can trust you. Let me see more of your memories. And he's like, okay, well. I don't know what you're going to see. I've done horrible things throughout my entire existence. But he's like, he's like, fine. Like, I care about you so much. I'll let you, I'll let you see my memories. But of course, it ends up being something relevant and not like a random, like, Tuesday in 1800s. Um, <laughs> and she sees him and Rickson, who's also a fallen angel, you find out. Yeah, Talk- the name, like, Rickson, were we surprised? <laughs> um, no, but Rickson did say that the reason he goes by Patch is that he gets in a ton of fights and they'd always have to patch him up. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, but Rickson, that's just his choice. He just goes by Rickson. <laughs> anyway, so Rickson's like, oh, like, it's that time of the year where we get to go into human bodies. And he's like, don't want to waste it because, you know, as fallen angels, we can't feel anything physically. Um, we have, like, they can feel emotionally, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so this is our one chance to, like, go get laid. Come on, blondes are calling out for me and you love your redheads. And he's like, no. I'm sick of this. I want to be in a human body forever. And he's like, you can't do that, dude. He's like, no, 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 I figured it out. If I kill my Nephilim vessel, which is, like, who he uses every year for those two weeks, Mm -hmm. he's like, if I kill him, then I become human. And Rexon's like, um, dude, Nephilim are immortal. And Patrick's like, but I found out that you can kill them if you sacrifice a female descendant of them. And who happens to be a female descendant of Chauncey, the French guy from the prologue, who you find out Patch is that angel who assaulted a teenager to become his vessel, mm-hmm. who is Chauncey. Chauncey is um, the ancestor of Miss Nora Gray. So he's like, this Nora girl, if I sacrifice her and then kill Chauncey, I'll get my human body and I can live the life I want. This is so many levels of fucked up. It really Because, like, okay, let's just, like, think about this for a second. So he has to kill her in order to become human, but she's a descendant of his vessel, so, like, it's, like, a weird way it feels, like, somewhat of, like, an incestual well, situation. Well, no, no, so he only, like, he's not in well, that yeah, guy's body right but, now. Like, he... No, but still, just knowing, like, the knowledge that, like, he at one time possessed that body, mm-hmm. and it, like, now, later down the line, Nora was born, that's just kind of fucked up. Yeah. Well... I don't, yeah, it's 
it's there's so many that's like the least of my issues with this because there's so much more direct things to be fucked up about but um also rickson straight up refers to dabria as a psychotic ex in this in this yeah, flashback so i felt really validated <laughs> um and so that's the memory so of course what's on nora's mind is why did you fall from heaven <laughs> and patch is like look goes lost in nora she goes Money lust? Oh my fucking no. And he goes, um, a lot of different kinds of lust. But he's like, I fell in love with a human girl and I didn't know that I, like, a lot of stuff that I do now and I, I wanted to be with her. Um, and she's like, where is she now? And he's like, well, she grew old and died. Because she's mortal and I'm not. Um, but that's why he lost his wings because he just loved this woman so much. Okay. And that, he left Dabria to be with this human woman and then fell and she's still obsessed with him. So anyway, they, he's like, yes, I was going to kill you, but I'm not anymore. Please trust me. And she's like, oh, but you are, so you're the one who's been stalking me and like going, breaking into my house. And you might like, you sent Dabria as like the new school therapist to like spy on me or like, is she here? And he's like, whoa, whoa, wait, Dabria's in town. And she's like, yeah, she's our school therapist. Don't you come to class? (laughs) But she doesn't. And he's freaked out. He's like, oh no, like she's probably just here because she's my psycho ex and I'm into you. So he's like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. We need to get Dob. We need, I need to protect you from Dabria. And she's like, all right, I need to protect myself from you, but no, I'll let you protect me from Dabria. Um, the car is fine. <laughs> like he's like, I'm getting the car. We're going now. <laughs> and so he drops her off at her house and she's he's like you'll be fine here like i'm gonna go figure out what's going on with dabria and leaves but dabria is in her house and so she goes dabria tries to murder nora Mm -hmm. sets the house on fire Mm -hmm. leaves patch shows up nora has already called the cops because the house is on fire oh she called the cops this time she calls the cops frequently just not when a murder happens just not when she wouldn't okay yeah and um this is when you find out that nora is indeed the the descendant of uh, Chauncey. Chauncey. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, everyone knew that before this. Um, so then now she's freaking out because she's like, so the only way for you to get the human body you want is to kill me. And I'm like, Nora, make a make a deal with Patch and be like, I'll, I'll have a daughter for you to kill, but that doesn't come up. <laughs> just promise, just be like, I'll sacrifice my child to you if you let me live. <laughs> but she doesn't think that way. So yeah, so Patch... Patch is like, all right, like, Dabria's still out there. Um, I'm going to take care of her. Meet me at Delphic. Um, but then she finds out that V is missing from her mom. And she's like, shit, V was last seen with Elliot and Jules. So she goes to the movie theaters because that's where V supposedly was. Um, but V's not there. Patch shows up and it's like, I told you to meet me at the Delphic. Like, why are you here? And she's like, you want to kill me? And my friend's missing. Anyway, then they make out in the bathroom. Oh, classic. And then V calls, interrupting the makeout session before I can get too steamy, because remember, the author's a Mormon. This is PG-13, folks. And the author's Mormon. <laughs> and V calls, and she's like, hey, I'm at our school with Elliot and Jules. We're going to play hide-and-seek. You should come join us. We need a fourth person. And Elliot takes the phone and basically is like, if you don't show up, I'm going to murder V. <laughs> oh, my God. So Patch is like, all right, we got to go. So they... Sh- go and patch is like stay in the car and she does not stay in the car because elliot is like i see you sitting in the parking lot so she goes in elliot and jules are on the floor they look like they're both unconscious and like elliot i think is like bleeding out um but then surprise jules was faking it and jules is the villain oh 
And guess what? He's not just the villain. He's Chauncey. He's Chauncey? Yes. Wow, that's a twist so I was not expecting. He's Chauncey, which is why he always, why? like, disappeared. Like, because Patch always showed up on, like, to, when Nora was on these double dates. So that's why Jules, like, always bounced. Like, the second he figured Patch was in the area, he was like, I can't blow my cover because obviously he knows who I am. He possesses yeah. me once a year. So Jules, Jules is like, I basically convinced turned elliot into my little like servant apprentice dude because elliot i think it's like a sugar daddy situation because elliot's poor he was on at school on a scholarship uh-huh. and jules is like i have so much money like i i told him like he was too close to that girl i was like prove your loyalty to me kill that girl so elliot did because jules just giving him money and fun things to do i guess um but the, Jules is like, look, I hate Patch because he assaulted and threatened me to, like, coerce me into being his vessel. So, one, like, two weeks out of the year, he takes over my body, and I hate it. And I'm like, that's a valid reason to hate Patch. Yeah, it's Like, he really assaulted valid. a teenager in a cemetery and didn't give him a choice and was like, you're now my vessel. I'm like, you have reason to be mad at him. Yeah, that's really fucked up. And he's like, but Patch, you know, he's an angel, like a fallen angel, so he's also like, I can't hurt him, so I can hurt whoever's closest to him, which is you, Nora. So he's like, this has been a long game for me to, like, murder you just to get revenge on Patch. So it's clear, not so much to Nora, I think, but at least to the reader, that he doesn't know why Patch is interested in Nora. Because, like, Patch couldn't be like, yeah, I'm trying to kill your ancestor. Like, he doesn't know Nora is his ancestor. Or, yeah, descent. Descent, sorry. Yeah, descendant. Either way, he doesn't know that she's actually immortal. Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Can we just, so he's immortal. Is she, so No, it's like, so the immortality is only the first, the, like, actual child of the fallen angel and human. But, like, ever, other than that, everything is, like, normal. Yeah, so okay. all of, like, his kids and going down were all okay. mortal. Okay. It's just because his actual dad was a fallen angel. Okay. Um. So that's why he's immortal. Okay, got it. Yeah. So anyway, so she, he thinks she's just a girl that Patch fell in love with, and not a Pat Patch's Mark, who he then fell in love with. So, like, if he killed Nora, would that also... I think there's... So the sacrifice part, there, there has to be, like, the intent behind it. Okay. So I think, like, if, if Nora happened to just die one day, or, like, someone who didn't know, is like, the intent of, like, I'm sacrificing you for this cause, is what does it. Okay, so, so like if, if he Jules killed his kills own descendant, her, it then Patch's plan is just gone. Okay. But, yeah. um, he doesn't know about Patch's plan. Okay. So anyway, he admits his whole, this whole thing that he set up, to, like, to, just to torture Patch. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then she's, and he's also like, because I'm a Nephilim, I can fuck with your mind. So then, like, it's like weird, funhouse psychological horror scene where, like, she doesn't know what's real. Like, things are changing. She's like, oh, no, there's, like, no stairs, but the stairs are there, kind of mind-fucking happening. Mm -hmm. So she's just, like, running through school, like, cat and mouse game. And she finds V, who's just like, God, like, Jules attacked me. What? My boyfriend? (laughs) Yeah, so V's just, like, semi-conscious, and, like, she rescues her, and finally Patch shows up, and their Patch is, like, fighting Jules, and he's like, Chauncey! <sighs> Why, Chauncey? Chauncey, no! I thought we were friends! I've been trying to kill you! Anyway, so, um, 
the fight's not going well for Norip and Patch. V's left the building because she's useless. And so uh, Nora's trying to escape Jules and she's like climbing like the rafters in the gym or something. Like, she's climbing something in the gym and um, she realizes that things aren't looking good for her and she's like, Jules is immortal unless I'm sacrificed. So she's like... <sighs> Jump into her death. Oh. And she jumps to her death so that Jules also will die. She's like, I'm sacrificing myself for Patch. So since she does that sacrifice, um, yeah. Jules is, I, I, Jules dies. And, but then Nora wakes up and she's like, hold the phone. I just, I just jumped to my death. And Patch is like, well, I rejected your sacrifice. So apparently if you're a fallen angel and you just go, hey, God. I don't want this. It reverses the sacrifice. But, like, Jules still died? Jules didn't have a soul, I guess, because he's the a, ves- a Nephilim vessel. So he didn't have a soul to return to his body. So, yes, he's still dead. Oh. But Nora's back and alive. And she's like, but Patch, you all, you wanted this, you wanted a human body. This was your chance. And he goes, what, this is an actual quote. Oh, God. What good is a body if I can't have you? No. Yes. So she's like, all right, I'm I'm okay with the fact that you tried to kill me twice in, in the span of a day. And the fact that you're, like, fucking immortal. Immortal, and I'm 17. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then he's like, but because I did save you, I'm now a guardian angel. And she's like, but I can't see your wings. And he's like, oh, they're invisible to you. You're just a, a little human. But I'm your guardian angel now. Um, so this, I... There's three other books, and I know at the end of the fourth book, he finally gets, like, a human body, or at least can, like, feel things again, because then they, like, they're married and have sex or whatever. Apparently, she didn't write the sex scene, though, and people are mad. She's she's still Mormon. She's still Mormon. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, so that, that's the, that's how it ends. Um, I just, this has all, like, I have never read this book, but I feel like I have read this book. Yeah, just like the vampire version. Like there is definitely a lot of qualities that cross over with like. Oh, I read this when I was deep in my like vampire diaries, vampire academy, blue bloods fade. Yeah, just like the I'm an immortal being and I'm falling in love with a teenager and she's like really into it aspect. The like self sacrifice so that the supernatural being can be normal. It has like a lot of tie ins to um this. I probably found this book because it was recommended for people who read all of Cassandra Clare's books. Because mm. that it's very similar situations in there. I mean, there's more direct incest in Cassandra Clare's writing than this, but <laughs> yeah, the, just like a little bit of light, like a little too close. Yeah. Um. That's. Oh, it, that is the wild ride of Hush Hush, and of course, I had to see what the fanfiction community was like for this book. Oh, do tell. So, since it was 2010, most stuff is on fanfiction.net, and I just perused, and it was, like, everything you'd expect, like, one-shots of, like, their couple life together, and the people who are like, can't believe she didn't give us a sex scene, I'm fixing it. Lemon. Lemon! <laughs> don't, lemon Don't, like, don't read. And then I was like, I wonder, I was like, I don't know how long this fandom lasted, so I was like, let me see what's going on in Archive, because that's a good sense to see if it's, like, Continuing yeah, still momentum. active, yeah. There was, like, 20 or so fix, which <laughs> weren't too groundbreaking, except somebody wrote a Hush Hush AU for Larry Styleson. 
And that's the. Oh God. Um, I couldn't tell based on the description who is which role, but if I had to guess, I'd say Harry is Patch. That yeah, feels right. I don't know One Direction, so I, I don't know. How, I don't know the energy of that ship. I know no. the energy of modern Harry Styles. I just know Harry Styles, and if I had yeah. to pick one to be an angel, it would be him. A fallen angel that's all smug and, yeah. I love Harry Styles. Oh, my God. But, like, that exists. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, very toxic relationship. Yeah, I mean, we really, like, just A cross, lot of crime. Really crossing off a the lot of The police show up. Like, one of the last scenes is the police showing up because of the school incident, not because of the, um, the... The dead bag lady. That's not addressed. I'm still not over this murder that which is like. <laughs> well, you, you find out that Jules was the one that killed her because she he thought that that was um, Nora because she was in the coat. Uh huh. So that was. You also find out. Yeah. So part of Jules' revelation is that he's all on top of Patches' attempted murders on Nora. Jules was the one that attacked her car that night in the woods. Jules was the one that um, shot the bag lady because he was hoping to kill Nora. So in the span of a few weeks, Nora had four to five, um, I'd say, yeah, five murder attempts. And she doesn't have a psychologist now because no. her therapist she, tried to kill her. She needs severe professional help. Her mom needs to come home. She needs, or like she needs to live with somebody. Well, she's really worried that her behavior is going to cause her mom to find a, a job locally and she's like but then we'll have to give up the house and Nora does not want to get rid of this house that's now half burnt because it's like where she has the memories of her father and she's like if we move I'm going to lose these memories and so she's like mom you have to keep working hard so we can keep this house this girl has no fucking idea how anything works no isn't that isn't she so wild <laughs> and there's four books it's a series book two is crescendo Wow. Yeah. Also, V is a horrible friend. <laughs> v is a horrible person. And so is that cheerleader. The um the exchange that Nora and the cheerleader have, like, the day before the cheerleader is assaulted, uh, includes um, the cheerleader making fun of V. Um, like, V's still in the hospital, and she's just ridiculing V and calling her fat. And Nora's just like, well, you're an anorexic pig. And then she later, she's like, at least I'm self-aware. Oh, my God. And I'm just like, hold up. What? I also realized that I'm, like, looking at, like, the guys that were all of the love interests in these books, like, really, it really says a lot about the kind of guys people our age were into back in the day. Oh, yes. This, I was going to say, like. Gen Zers would never, this would never fly with Gen Zers. No, because, like, if you just, like, if you had a list of toxic traits, you could just, like, cross off every I was trying to think of, like, any, which we'll, we'll discuss this as we read more books, but I was like, yeah, like, there were no good guys in these books, and they made us think, like, these were the guys that we couldn't, we could be with. Like, it's fine. Like, they just have a tough exterior. I truly don't remember. But I know whatever book I I read next is going to be some kind of romance focus. Mm-hmm. So oh, really all of these excited. are, ro- like, that is a YA. There, you can't have, there's nothing that's just, I can only think of one where there wasn't any romance, but I can't remember the name of it, but it had to do with time travel, and they, like, destroy the, the time space continuum it's a whole thing but um everything else is like crazy romance yeah yeah well that's that's hush hush by becca fitzpatrick what a journey that was <laughs> reading it was like 
All like you read it like less than twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah, which I probably did back in twenty ten as well. And I just truly eleven years. I periodically remember that scarf thing, and it. <laughs> I've thought about it so much these past 11 years. And honestly, after we record this, I might go try to make that top. Well, good luck. Thank you. Um, And then next week, <laughs> or whenever, we'll yeah. be Mary telling us about one of her books. Which yeah, TBD. Hopefully it's a little less toxic. Yeah, probably not. No. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for the first episode of Why a Book. Why was this a book? Why was I that a book? Know. Really, no conclusions to be had. We'll see you next time. Yeah. <laughs>